the first episode of WLF Milestones, where we remember so you never forget. My co-host is Curtis Woodward. We've got a very special guest later on. And tonight we're going to revisit one of the most famous rugby league judiciary cases of all time. When the towering inferno Mark Geyer, then with the Western Reds, was accused of saying to Perth-based touch judge Martin Weeks in 1996, I know where you live. It turns out Guy had disliked Martin Weeks long before they locked horns at the Wacker on May 5 of that year uh, during the game uh, 1-32-12 by Canberra. Uh, now, Guy explains their enmity in this clip from Triple M in 2012. Martin Weeks was a touch judge in 1991 who, when we played in the grand final, he came running in with his flag and, and disallowed a try that Penrith had scored legitimately. So we gave him the nickname TV Weeks. <laughs> Every time there's a TV game, he'd come in with his flag. So when I went to Perth, um, lo and behold, there's Martin Weeks, who's living in Perth. Actually, play, he's not not a, a touch judge who travels over each week to play, you know, to give the officiate the West Reds game. He's there. He's a sand grabber, exactly. At this stage, I should point out much of the research for this episode was done for two tribes.substack.com, where I'm laying a narrative foundation, if you will my upcoming uh, book, Two Tribes, about the divided season of 1997 and the birth of the NRL. You automatically pre-order uh, Two Tribes and you get an immediate copy of my first book, Touchstones, and uh, you also get access uh, to paywall content for 27 months. That's a one-off cost of $45. Curtis, what, what, do you know, did you know much about this story? No, absolutely not. And um, through through history, of, I've been a little bit younger than yourself, Steve, with, with all due respect, despite the fact that you look 15 years younger than me, mate. Um, when you think about Mark Guy, you, you think about um, things that you hear over and over in the media about Mark Guy and 91 with the origin and um, stuff like that. But w when you think Mark Guy, you think hard on his sleeve, not just as a player, but as a man as well. And, and I think he played on the edge and he needed to play on the edge because that is what made him a better player. But at the same time, too, being such an emotional player, um, it also hurt him uh, at different times as well. So it kind of plagued his career. But I, I guess as well, being that kind of player, it spurred you on um, to do better things. I mean, people forget that Mark Guy was a kangaroo tourist. Um, in all seriousness, at his, at his peak of his powers, he was one of the best second rowers in the game. Um, but the things that made him the, 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 one of the best uh, second roles in the game, it, it also hindered him as well and, and that plagued him throughout his career. And I, I personally think that if you look through everything Mark Guy did in his career, all the ups and downs, someone from Channel 9 or, or Stan or something should be getting onto him and saying, look, we want to make a little mini TV series out of this because some of the stories are crazy and, and you know the way it turned out, obviously, it's one of the best media men in the game now. Because he's a good bloke, but at the time, you'd think back then it was, it was a crazy time to be Mark Guy, I'm sure. Now, the only disciplinary discussion after the game in 1996 was about Rodney Howe being placed on report by referee Rob Alexander. But by Tuesday night, Guy was up before the judiciary accused of intimidating an in-goal judge, throwing a water bottle at a linesman and threatening a linesman. I covered the first of the two hearings uh, it took to deal with the matter. I was working at the Sydney Morning Herald at the time. I was a couple of years younger than MG at 27. Uh, and the night I attended at Phillips Street uh, with Gaia appearing by video link was quite amazing. Uh, Gaia claimed in goal judge Tony Butler had an axe to grind with him since he was 14 and weeks of inventing the water bottle story. However, Gaia later had this to say 
on radio. As I did, I grabbed the water bottle from uh, the, one of the trainers and I just kind of like bombed it like a little... Like a hand grenade. Like a hand grenade at him. Weeks had told the hearing uh, he had warned Guy about dissent and MG, as he walked away, retorted, I know where you live, bro. I know where you live. Wig said this had caused him to fear for himself and his family. He said, language doesn't bother me. It goes straight over my shoulder. I always remember thinking that was a strange phrase over my shoulder. I don't think I've heard it since. Um, he said, uh, you don't normally mind, but this player decided to have a dip back and threaten myself and my family. Guy's defense was that he actually said, remember where you live, as in, give the local team a fair go. Again, from 2012. I said to Martin Weeks, he was a cheat. Yep. And I said, you only, you only come on when you go, there's a TV game? Yep, and? It, and? Okay, oh, you want to go there? Yep, I do. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, mate. I said, I know where you live. You often wonder, Curtis, how many fibs are told of the judiciary. Uh, it takes years to get to the bottom of it. Oh, particularly back then. And if you want to go further back then, like the, if you want to talk about like the dragons, like I think it was Bumper Farrell, Frank Bumper Farrell, when he bit someone's ear off in a scrum in the, the 1940s and stuff like that. You can just imagine back in those days and even up to the mid-90s where there wasn't a scrutiny uh, with the judiciary, judiciary that you see today. Um, stuff like you know mobile phones and and fifteen journalists out the front of you know the, the, you know the court as they go in or Phillips Street or wherever they are now. You can just imagine the kind of stories you would get. And at the end of the day, it really was if if it wasn't a, a TV game per se, then it really was up to the word of the player and and the officials at the ground. That's really what it was up to, right? There were some great quotes from Ron Coote, who was on the judiciary that night. Uh, he told Gaia. Uh, from the top table. Part of rugby league is discipline, Mark. When those lessons are being handed out, I don't know where you were. You think all the touch judges, referees, and everyone are against you? Your discipline gets the best of you. Guy responded to an absolute legend, that's your opinion. Uh, the hearing had gone for four hours. It was adjourned to the following evening. I usually had Wednesday off, so I probably went downstairs to the bar. It was still open. I had the next day. I probably slept till midday. Michael Kozlowski covered this the following night. And that's where I want to bring in our guest. The Ken Stephen medalist and Steelers legend, Michael Bolt, who was on the judiciary for the case. Michael, were you, were you on for both nights? Yeah, it was, Stevie. <laughs> Long couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Why did it take two nights, do you think? Was it just because it got too late? Well, there was a case on before, and then um, there was a few. It was the first time we'd actually done a video uh, hearing. And because uh, normally, you know, back then everyone, you now they came into the, the big house at Phillips Street and had to sit down and be good boys and do all that sort of stuff. But uh, this being a video, it certainly was a bit of a different thing. And uh, they had a couple of teething problems with it. And that sort of delayed it whilst it went on. And then, you know, when we had a bit of a kerfuffle with uh, Mr. Guy, so it's, uh, we... Uh, we sort of had to go on a bit longer. <laughs> um, interestingly, given the audio we played earlier, Alan Sullivan on, not, on the second night, Michael, he found the guy had not intended to throw the water bottle, but had indeed thrown it backwards over his head from the bench while looking the other way. Uh, so uh, this is what uh, Guy uh, later admitted. And he looked around on the bench, and I, I don't know how he thought it was me because everybody else was watching the game, but I was looking behind myself <laughs> trying to throw, <laughs> throw him off the track. Um, Sullivan pointed out that MG had appeared before the judiciary eight times 
in 11 years. He said Guy's behaviour was not in the interest of rugby league or the promotion of the game in Western Australia or anywhere else. Michael, um, can you tell us about the second night particularly and, and about, um, was it mainly legal argument? And, and how did you go about finding uh, the verdict of a six-week ban? Yeah, look, it was, it was a bit difficult because it's, um, you know, it was certainly a bit of uncharted waters that sort of, yeah, it was more bringing the game into disrepute than, than sort of like, you know, a high tackle or what, whichever. So it, so it became difficult. So we were sort of guided a lot by Alan Sullivan, you know, him being the legal brain behind it all. And um, we sort of, you know, came up with a, a penalty uh, on discussion, that we just said, well, we got to, you know, this can't be tolerated. And uh, so we had to sort of make a bit of a, a showing for it to to make it stick, basically. Um, but, yeah, so it was, uh, it was quite a long couple of days. You can remember that, that's for sure. It's, uh, but, yeah, Alan Guide did uh, very well, as he always did. Guy commented afterwards, you've just taken away six weeks of my life and probably another 35000 in match payments. I've got a baby on the way. Have a bit of compassion. Uh, and there was a significant aftermath too. Uh, Guy had appeared by video link, as you mentioned, and uh, after the decision was handed down, Michael, do you want to take up the story there? Well, yeah, because uh, what had happened is uh, the audio went, but the, uh, the visual was still going. And uh, I don't think Mark realised that. And so he's given us the finger. And I happened to be watching the vision. Uh, the other boys weren't. And uh, I, I said, whoa. And so they played that back. And then we, um, we brought him back in again. And um, so that, he, uh, he, was, he was upset with the whole thing. And obviously, he couldn't control his emotions at that stage. And uh, so, yeah, given... Giving us the finger probably wasn't a real smart move, especially with the camera still rolling. But uh, the, the actual the sound had gone off, so he probably presumed everything had gone, but uh, it hadn't. Yeah, you said, well, with attitudes like that, and there's a great line from Alan Sullivan, you've just shown us the disrespect that we found you guilty of. Um, Guy claimed the gesture had been uh, directed at a reporter in the room in Perth. <laughs> now, I can't say so far that he's shown himself to be a reliable witness given some of the things he <laughs> said years later. Uh, what do you think actually happened there, Michael? Or any idea? It's exactly what I said. <laughs> he wasn't happy with us and he, and he displayed it like that. And, yeah, good on him. He, he wore his heart on his sleeve, that's for sure. But, yeah, so sometimes you got to, you know, back then he, it would have been the night to pull his head in a little bit, but he didn't quite do that. So it's sort of... And uh, I suppose the rest is history. We'll discuss where Mark Guy went from there in a minute uh, with Curtis, uh, particularly. Uh, but Michael, you broke new ground for the judiciary at that time by bringing in a computer with a list of senators and offences uh, uh, each time, and and, and um, you, you went through them, and and that later became the basis of the entire judicial system in rugby league. It was formalised by Super League and adopted by the NRL. But I got the impression at the time it, it wasn't appreciated. Uh, uh, by the establishment, because you, you suddenly you weren't there on a on a Tuesday night. Um, what happened? Yeah, basically, it's sort of. Um, I'm not sure really, you know, why the judiciary side and that changed a bit, but I think it was probably more the fact that 
Super League wanted extra numbers on on the numbers side and things like that. So, but uh, yeah, so I sort of got together. Uh, I approached John Quayle and told him that you know it's very difficult if you're you know you're on a case one week, but then you're not called up next week for the the other people to see what you handed down. So it's um he allowed me to, to get the funding and I actually just used a, a local Wollongong guy that uh, that was you know starting to get into that sort of the computer side with uh, the videos and um, we started a rating system up and it, uh, and it was really helpful actually and uh, and you know it worked a, to a great deal in, in helping getting more parity in the sentencing and stuff like that. And you can say, okay, well, that was a grade three. You know, was that as bad as that? No, well, okay, we'll make that a grade one or whichever. So it's sort of, it was certain, you know, the early days with computers back then. And uh, so it made it a little bit clunky, uh, but, you know, it certainly helped us along. And, um, and yeah, I, you know, I was quite happy to, to get all that set up and, and take it forward. And, uh, but then, you know, with what happened after the, with the Super League was like everything. I think it was like, you know, you had to have your, your numbers right. There had to be a Super League person and a, a normal league person. And I think that's sort of how it all came about. Do you think you get enough credit, Michael, for, for sort of inventing that system and that sort of, um, I guess, uh, um, uh, transparency and precedent to the judicial code, which was before that it was very dramatic, wasn't it? There was Jim Comins and... And, and then Alan Sullivan, and there were these sort of uh, um, almost like uh, godlike uh, judgments at the end of every hearing, and and it became a scientific thing. Now we don't even hear from the panel; we don't hear from the chairman. No, exactly, and that's what I was uh, trying to achieve. It's sort of all I wanted to do is because the biggest problem back then was the you know, the perceived inconsistencies, and I thought, well, if we can look at a video of an incident last year, and that got a certain grade well you know then we can use that as comparison um in any judgment and uh so and you know at the end of the day i think it has worked pretty pretty well uh and you know you really you know i, I actually didn't even know who was on the judiciary until i read the names until last night you know i think they changed around a little bit as well but uh you know now with all the all the guilty pleas and all that stuff but um that sort of changed it around as well with it. But, uh, yeah, no, mate, I was quite happy to put my head in the ring for, for that back in the days. And I think it was a good way forward. Mark Guy went on to have a very successful media career and he told his employers, Triple M, um, in that uh, um, audio that we've been listening to, he deeply regretted the incident with Martin Weeks. I know I'm teaching my kids never to show dissent towards officials and I want to try and... This is one wrong I want to write today yeah. because it was a... I think there's, it's one rule you do. You never question authority. And uh, now as the tribunal, will, as you said, Michael, the tribunal will sort of lecturing MG after you called him back in. He actually uh, uh, broke down uh, crying. Yeah. Uh, but now we've got the man himself on the line. No, no. <laughs> Martin Weeks, welcome to the grill team. Thanks, fellas. Thanks very much. Mate, uh, what, what are your memories of that, of that game in 96? Um, in my, yeah, my well, just your are... memories in general of MG, <laughs> officiating MG. <laughs> See, that's that how, was that's... the game where he, uh, the infamous saying of, uh, I know where you live. And, <laughs> and did uh, you feel threatened by that? Oh, yeah, at the time I did. But Mark <laughs> was misunderstood. 
Uh, well, he just wanted to send you, maybe he just wanted to send you a bouquet of flowers. Yeah, no, I accept his apology. Uh, as I say, he's misunderstood by a lot of people. Wow. The hard men in league misunderstood him, Wally Lewis. Uh, Mario Fennick misunderstood him. I think even Greg Dowling may have misunderstood him. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, uh, Are you still in uh, Western Australia, Weeksy? Same address, same address, same address, by any chance. So there you go, Martin Weeks putting the slipper in, even after MG said he was sorry. Have you ever had a cause to uh, to discuss this with Mark uh, Michael in the years since? No, not really. It's sort of, um, you know, probably, you know, up to the sort of late 90s, you know, being involved with it. But basically from that, you know, it's sort of, um, I haven't had any opportunities to uh, cross his path. Look, yeah, like I played against him. At, I think I actually played in his first game. At, uh, I think was, we played or uh, played tennis up there, and he was his first uh, first grade game. So it was, you know, it was like the the boy wonder coming through. But um, uh, and yeah, bloody good player. Uh, and so that um, I'm really now. Nah, it's sort of not one of those ones that you know he'd never. Pick me out for anything to to stand. Think so. Yeah. What what goes on the judiciary stays in there. <laughs> well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed the first WLF milestones. Trying to do a little bit more evergreen content rather than ambulance chasing. Support the show at patreon.com forward slash white line fever. Please subscribe and check out uh, all the links in the show description. Uh, thank you, Curtis, and thank you, Mike. <laughs>